Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to uh, address a question that is on a lot of people's minds, though they might not be voicing it. And it goes something like this. What about good Christians who are suffering now? Good Christians, perhaps, who have, who have already died to this coronavirus. What about them? Why didn't God protect them? What about people in New York City, for instance? Some of which, for sure, are good people, Christian people. And perhaps they've died because of this virus. Or what about what's happened in the past in our nation? Just this past week I was reading up, you know, refreshing my, my uh, memory of what happened in 1918. The, the Spanish flu that killed 675,000 people in the United States. What about them? Weren't there some good Christians in 1918? In fact, I read an article this week from uh, uh, a spokesperson person from one of our leading Pentecostal denominations. This is a Pentecostal denomination that believes in healing and laying hands on the sick and all of these things. And this person was talking about what happened in 1918 and how their denomination dealt with it and how they uh, coped with it and, and, and what the results were. And this man was saying that in this denomination, this Pentecostal denomination... A lot of people got sick and a lot of people died. There were pastors and evangelists who died. But he made this interesting, all-telling statement. He said during this time, he said no one claimed immunity from the Spanish flu. And the way he said it, he didn't actually say so, but in the context of what he was saying, it was clear that he was chastising people today who claim that they can live free from the coronavirus. Christians who say, it'll not come, on, it'll not come near me. I'm immune to it in the name of Jesus. He was criticizing that and saying, we knew better back then and we didn't do that. Well, exactly. Somebody said, look at the results. Now, I'm not, here th- I'm not saying this to indict anybody. But what I'm saying is, Jesus said it's according to your faith. How many times did people come up to Jesus for healing? And I'm going to look at a couple of them here because I want to to expound on it. How many times did, did, did people come to Jesus and they were the only ones in the crowd who received their miracle and Jesus said it's according to your faith? Now, I'm not saying that to criticize anybody. That's why I didn't name the denomination, because that's not important. The important thing is, Jesus said, you can have what you say. And the Word of God says that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. And that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law, which is every sickness and every plague. So if we're redeemed, we can claim immunity. Glory to God. I want to look today real quickly at two women in the Bible. You say, Pastor, you only have 15 minutes and you're going to look at two? We're going to look real quickly 
Go with me to to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Verse number 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if, I, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, We've looked at this story many times because we're all, we've always been real strong on faith and healing. But I want you to notice that this crowd that was around Jesus that day was surely a crowd of all kinds of people. And this wasn't a small crowd. This was a great multitude, the scripture we just read said. It was a great multitude of people. Only one person was healed that day. And somebody, people, there are always people who say, well, God will heal you if it's His will. But I want you to notice that Jesus was not aware that this woman had touched Him until He sensed in, his, in, in Himself that power had gone out of Him. In other words, spiritually, He detected that the healing power of God had flowed out of Him through His clothes. And so He turned around and said, who touched my clothes? Jesus did not make a decision on who got healed that day. I said Jesus did not make a decision on who got healed that day. Now in that crowd of people, there were no doubt people who were there. There were a lot of different motivations driving the people who were in that crowd that day. Some people were surely there just because they were curious. There was a big crowd. Let's go join the crowd. I'm sure there were some people there that day who were there because they hated Jesus. And that they were, they were there to try to catch Him in His words. We know the religious leaders were probably there. They didn't like it. There were probably people there uh, who were just there because it was a religious thing to do. The right thing to do. There were no doubt people there who were sincere you know, everybody in that crowd came to hear Jesus. They, they were not somewhere else. 
They weren't at, they were not at the bars. They were not at some other type of worldly uh, entertainment. They weren't doing other, they were, they were attending a meeting where Jesus was teaching. Amen. Now we know that those people in that crowd were not born again. No one had been born again. No one had been saved in the sense that we are today because Jesus hadn't died, shed his blood and died on the cross, ascended and, and, and was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven to secure our redemption. That hadn't happened yet, so no one was saved in the sense that we are. And there was no church yet. The church wasn't born yet. But generally speaking, you can say that this was a religious gathering. And so they were sort of at church. All of these people, my point is, they were not somewhere else. They were there to hear Jesus. Some with maybe wrong motives, but probably many of them with good motives. They were there, pe there were people there who came because they heard Jesus. They heard the gracious words that fell from His lips. And it ministered to their hearts. And it, it caused a stirring on the inside. And there was something in their, in, their, in their spirit nature that reached out to the life that was in those words. There was no doubt people there who were, who were sick and they knew Jesus was a healer. It said that this woman had heard about Jesus and she came to receive her healing. Amen. So I'm sure there were people there whose motives were less than perfect, but I'm also sure there were people there who were sincere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There were people there who were desperate. Yeah. This woman was desperate. But the other desperate people didn't receive their miracle. Amen. That's good. That's right. The touch of the curious does not release the power of God. The touch of the scoffer doesn't release the power of God. The touch of the religious doesn't release the power of God. But neither does the touch of the sincere. Neither does the touch of the, of the uh, desperate one. Because there were many people touching him that day. Why were they touching him? They were getting as close as they could. The disciples said, Jesus, how can you ask who touched me? People are touching you all around. But you see, only the touch of faith brings the power of God on the scene. This woman reached out in, in faith and she laid hold of his garment because she said within herself, when I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Amen. Glory to God. So you can always look in history. You can always look contemporaneously around you. And you can always see people who aren't being blessed. You will always see people who aren't being healed. You will always see people who aren't being saved. But the answer is not why they haven't been saved, but how does the Bible say you can be saved? Yeah. You can be saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ yes. and confessing Him as Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's a matter of faith. Woo. You can be healed as a matter of faith. Yes. And it doesn't Amen. matter what the circumstances yes. are. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. It doesn't matter how widespread Come disease on. is. You can always receive your miracle by faith. Glory. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus didn't get sick. Right. His disciples. Mm, come on. And so we've, we've read the scriptures. We know sometimes his disciples were a little less than noble. <laughs> Oftentimes they had some sort of carnal attitudes. 
And they weren't always really in faith. But they were protected from all of the diseases that, that they mingled in and among during the ministry of Jesus. I'm telling you, there is redemption, there is freedom, there is protection. We've all read Psalm 91 over and over and over and over again. Glory to God. And the Bible says, He will keep us in all of our ways. Guard, protect. That word when it says, He'll give His angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. That word keep in the Hebrew means to protect, to guard, and it means to set a hedge about like with thorns. In other words, just like you would put a thorny hedge around something to keep the animals or the predators out. It said that His angels would set a hedge about you. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. In all your ways. I want to look at another woman. Go with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. And let's look at verse number 21 together. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I want you to notice what was really going on here. Well, I tell you what, let's read the rest of this and I'll come back and make a comment. He said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Amen. Notice again, it's on the, it's on the basis of an individual's own faith. Now I want you to notice that Jesus called this woman a dog. I'm sure everybody notices that part. Why did Jesus call this woman a dog? Why would he insult her like this? It's good, to, it's good to have information about the background and the culture. Generally speaking, in those days, the Jews looked down on everybody else. There was only two classes, classifications of humanity to the Jews, and that was the Jews and everybody else were Gentiles. And in Jesus' day, the Jews were very haughty, very prideful. I'm talking about with an ungodly pride. And they looked down on everyone else, and they referred to Gentiles as dogs. That was a common description. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying that's the way it was. This, but here's, here's what was wrong with this woman. It wasn't the fact that she was a Gentile. This woman came to Jesus. In fact, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, it said this woman was a Gentile. Here it says she was a woman from Canaan. In Mark's Gospel, it said she was a Gentile and a Syrophoenician by birth. This woman was not of Israel. She did not belong to Israel. 
She was not a Jew, and therefore she did not have a covenant with God. That's right. She was not a partaker. She did not... She did not have the right to claim the blessings of the covenant that God made with Abraham and had passed down to his people. And yet she came to Jesus saying, Oh Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. What this woman was doing was she was pretending to be an Israelite. This, Oh Lord, Son of David is especially a messianic salutation. These were messianic words. She was identifying him as the seed of Abraham, as the son of David, the one that had been prophesied to come and deliver God's people. She had no right, no right to come to him and claim the blessings of the son of David. But that's what she was doing. She was passing herself off as somebody she wasn't. And as having a, 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 a right to something she didn't have. And it was necessary for Jesus to correct her. So when the disciples came to him and said, Do something about this woman. She's calling after us. He answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. No doubt the disciples went back to this woman and told her what Jesus said. Jesus was not sent to the Gentiles. Now, after he was raised from the dead, the church was sent to the Gentiles. We have been sent to all of the families and all of the people of the earth. But at this particular time, Jesus had not been sent to the Gentiles, and he had to correct her. I want you to notice the very next thing we see is we see a woman who has humbled herself. She came to Jesus and she worshipped Him. The Bible says she came and worshipped Him and I think Mark's Gospel said she fell down before Him and said, Lord, help me. You see, now she's not coming in any kind of pretense. Now she's humbled herself and coming in genuine worship to the Lord. Amen. But the Lord had something else to say for her. He had something else to, that needed to be corrected. Because you see, even worship, even humility, those things are wonderful. They are necessary. They must come first. But neither worship nor humility will deliver you. Neither worship nor humility alone will bring on the power of God. There had to be faith. So Jesus said these very strong words to her. I believe with all of my heart, He said this to get a little bit of fire out of her. To get a rise out of her. To wake her up. She she had come so far as to be humbled. And and to, and to, to take her place. Now she knows she's been put in her place. But now Jesus needed her to rise up and lay hold of something by faith. So he said, he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. You might think that was a cruel, you might think that was a cruel and crude thing to say. 
But by the, by the leading of the Spirit of God, Jesus knew exactly what it would take to get this woman to make a stand of faith. And her very next words were, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I know I'm a dog. I know I'm a Gentile. I know I'm without a covenant. But I know, glory to God, that faith will get me what I want. She said, I know even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Glory to God. She said, even though I'm a dog, I worship you and I believe you're good. I believe you're merciful. I believe you're kind. I believe you can help me and I believe you will help me. And I thank you for it. Glory to God. She said, I'm going to have the crumbs. And Jesus said, for this saying, for this saying, your faith has made you whole. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You might be out here today and you might think you're somebody. But you can't come to God thinking you're somebody. You can't come to God pretending to be somebody or to have something you don't have. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in and of ourselves, based on our own natural conduct in our lives, the Scripture says there are none righteous, no, not one. So you can't come to God with some kind of pretense, thinking you're somebody. You have to humble yourself. You have to be willing to take God's Word and His view of you. But on the other side of that coin... On one side, you can't be pretending to be somebody. But the other side of that coin says, no matter who you are, faith in God will carry the day. If you'll humble yourself, faith in God will deliver you. Faith in God will keep you. Faith in God will protect you. Faith in God will bless you. Faith in God will keep your body strong. Faith in God will cause you to have more than you need financially. Faith in God will protect you from everything that could come as a result of this terrible uh, disease that has stricken our nation and the world. Faith in God is greater. The name of Jesus is greater. We were singing about that name, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will save you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. And you will grant He will grant you the desires of your heart. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be on these grounds today because you have called us together. You've called your church to assemble together. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity today to stand out here on our property, to proclaim the Word of God, to worship you, to experience your presence, to experience the anointing, the collective corporate anointing of your church assembled together. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.